Hi, this is Nathan, and you're listening to a Public Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Public Worship, for that song. I just believe Highlands is such a beneficial song for us in 2020. And today we want to talk for a few minutes about how we can praise Him in some areas that often cause us some heartache. And we'll get to those areas in just a minute. To set the tone, I want to take you guys back to some interstate driving between Tom Bowler and me on the way back from serving a church plant in Washington, D.C. If you don't know Tom, Tom is one of our elders. He leads our finance team. He's an avid pickleball player. Um, I have beat him before, not necessarily that often because he's really tall and he gets the net and can literally play the whole quarter. It's so frustrating. But anyway, Tom is like a father to me. He really is a father-like figure in my life. And our relationship really deepened on this trip back from Washington, D.C. And if you ask us this story, there's differing versions of it. Tom would say that I peppered him with questions and well before Cleveland, he just ran out of stuff to say. (laughs) I, on the other hand, would say, Tom's really wise. So I wanted to use this as an opportunity just to soak up some wisdom. I'm sure we had coffee. So I would take a sip of my coffee, ask a question and let him talk for a while. (laughs) And I specifically remember that we were discussing interpersonal conflict. How do we manage relationships and and how do we work with people and and treat them well? And and especially when that gets, when there's conflict involved, that can be really difficult. And so I wanted Tom's wisdom on this. And Tom said something that stuck with me ever since. He said, take the high road. It's usually open. (laughs) What a simple and profound statement from the Tom Bowler. (laughs) Take the high road, it's usually open. And as I say that, I'm guessing that for a lot of you guys, you can think about situations where you wish you'd taken the high road, where you were in conflict and you just brought it right back at them and you're like, ah, that would have been so much better if Tom had been there with me telling me that. (laughs) And so today, the title of our talk is Take the High Road, inspired by Tom Bowler and our drive back from our nation's capital. <laughs> and I think the t- this title is absolutely fitting to end a series called Intersections. Now, if you were with us last week, we took a break from our series as our public students director, Nolan Pelfrey delivered a phenomenal talk on identity. So feel free to show him some love in the comments, or if you know him, send him a Slack message or a text and just let him know how much Jesus used that talk in your life. I know I've done that. I mean, it was phenomenal. And if you missed it, I encourage you to go back and watch it. But today we're going to resume our series intersections and actually finish it. And so if this is your first time with us, then here's the heart of the series that following Jesus impacts every facet of our lives as he invades every area of our hearts. That following Jesus, it's not a Sunday thing, it's an every moment lifestyle. And so we're gonna look at two particular intersections today. The first of which Tom and I were talking about on the drive back from DC, and that is interpersonal conflict. So how do we take the high road 
in the midst of the interpersonal conflict that you're facing right now. Maybe on a table beside you are divorce papers. Maybe there's a phone, and on that phone, it's been a really long time since your teenage son, since your daughter who's off at college called you, or maybe when they did call you, that you actually had a good conversation. And Thanksgiving is kind of awkward at best, and you know Christmas is coming up, and you're thinking, man, what do we do? How do I navigate this strained relationship? So we want to talk about that today. The other angle that we want to talk about is the fight for justice. And so how do we take the high road in the fight for justice? Now, biblically, when we talk about the fight for justice, we're talking about advocating for widows and orphans fighting to end human trafficking. We're talking about fighting to end racism, fighting um, for immigration issues. We're talking about fighting, and this is not an exhaustive list. We're talking about um, standing up against abortion. We're looking at fighting against poverty. Again, not an exhaustive list, but these are some of the ways the Bible talks about justice and fighting for justice. So if we're going to try to push back the injustice in the world, it would be so easy for us to be retaliatory and sink to other people's levels. So how do we take the high road? That's what we want to discuss today. And I know I need this, and I hope that you find it beneficial as well. So our text is Romans 12. We're going to start with verse 18, but really focus on verses 19 through 21. If you have your paper or digital Bible and you want to go there. And before we do, we're actually going to read all of Romans 12, 9 through 21, because that's been where we've been at in this series. And the challenge has been to memorize it. So even if this is your first week, I encourage you, start memorizing this. And here's why. We want to bury God's word in our heart so the Holy Spirit can unearth his word when we need it. So we want to bury God's word in our heart so that way in interpersonal conflict, when we are tempted to take the road that everybody else is on and not even look towards the high road, that we can remember the verses that we are discussing today. Now, I have been trying to memorize this, so I'm actually going to set my Bible here, and I'm going to do my best to quote this. So if I stumble, if I mess up, it's right here. But this is me just trying to to work on memorizing it myself. So I encourage you just to say this aloud. Let this be an opportunity to work on burying God's Word in our hearts. Romans 12, 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. I got a little worried. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight 
of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Jesus, speak to us. Your word is powerful. So would you change us through it? And it's in your name we pray. Amen. The thing I love about this passage is how practical it is. So whether or not you follow Jesus, I believe that this can help us navigate life. Verse 18 is a great example, and that's where we'll pick up. This is a big focal point of our talk in part five two weeks ago. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So for part five, we discussed having front door conversations. That means during interpersonal conflict, let's not avoid the issue. Don't walk around to the back door if the front door is unlocked. Let's not knock down the front door and come in guns blazing and just destroy the relationship. But let's have a front door conversation where we simultaneously build the relationship and address the issue. And the reason we want to do that is because verse 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, it may not be possible, but do everything in our power to live peaceably. In other words, creators of peace have front door conversations. So if you're struggling with the conversation, I encourage you to go back and watch or listen to part five. And if you wanna go deeper into this idea, creators of peace, this is a book I recently read. Dr. Derwin Gray wrote The Good Life. I've tried to quote this the past two weeks and I felt like I was just forcing it. So at least want to say, this is really good. He's talking about the Beatitudes um, and that's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter five. But he has a whole chapter on how to be a peacemaker or as we're saying, a creator of peace. So if you want to go deeper into what it means to be a peacemaker, I really encourage you to pick that up. It is, I think it's worth the price of the book just for that chapter on peacemaking alone. So creators of peace have front door conversations and creators of peace take the high road. So now let's look at verse 19 and talk about how to take the high road. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Paul's gonna say something really hard here. So he starts out and says, beloved, And then he says, hey, don't avenge yourselves. Now, before we dive into this, let's talk about how this can easily and how it has been misinterpreted. Some people would take Paul's words here and say, so in the realm of interpersonal conflict, don't have a front door conversation. Guys, just just brush it under the rug. Don't deal with it. This is what it means to not avenge yourself. No, that's not at all what Paul's saying. Paul's telling us how to have the front door conversations because we know if we're brushing something under the rug, then we're not dealing with it. We're not being a creator of peace. In the fight for justice, Paul's not saying that we just passively throw up our hands, say, we're not gonna worry about injustice, let it run wild because we're just gonna wait until we die and go to heaven and not worry about it. No, no, no. 
Paul's saying, here's how to be on the front lines of the fight for justice and how to take the high road there. I think about one of our partners, Willow Bend Farms. They are fighting against human trafficking in our area. Man, these verses create an intersection that can guide them to continue to take the high road, even though they face so much evil and, and they're coming in contact with so much atrocity. We have a global partner who will remain unnamed to protect the work that they're doing, and they're also fighting its human trafficking. They need these verses. Come on, we need these verses. We need to hear Paul say, never avenge yourselves because Paul is someone who drank the poison of revenge. And just to give some context, Paul's writing to people who live in Rome, a city that's the capital of the Roman Empire where Nero reigns, Emperor Nero, who killed Christians, who's gonna kill Paul. So Paul's not saying evil does not exist. No, 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 he's saying even in the face of persecution and death, let's not avenge ourselves, ourselves because revenge is a poison. And Paul knew that poison all too well. Before Paul was a Jesus follower, he was a devout Jew. And he believed that the Jesus followers, the Christians, they were threatening his religion, his status, and his way of life. So if this coffee cup represented revenge, he was turning it up and he was drinking and he was hunting down Christians. And we know he participated in the murder of at least one. Paul drank revenge. And Paul realized that he was just perpetuating the cycle of evil. And he met Jesus, and Jesus changed everything for Paul. So if you don't follow Jesus, or maybe you do follow Jesus, and you've been drinking from the cup of revenge, Paul wants us to know that Jesus wants to show us a better way. And for those of us who follow Jesus, verse 18, we should be creators of peace. And vengeance is not the path to peace. So how in the world do we put down the cup of revenge? Because we know that God's got it. In other words, there's a couple questions I think Paul would want us to ask about verse 19. The first is this, in interpersonal conflict, who is my defender? Hmm. Because if I'm my defender, then of course I have to take vengeance into my own hands. There's no one else to do that. There's no one else to take up for me. So I must, verse 17, repay evil for evil, even though Paul tells us not to. Second question, who's leading the fight for justice? Because if I'm leading that fight, then guess what? I'm gonna be vengeful because there's no one else to advocate for me. There's no one else to pursue justice, so I have to get revenge. So Paul says, remember, Deuteronomy, the Torah, one of the first five books of the Bible, and maybe you don't remember it, but a lot of his original audience would have. He quotes from Deuteronomy, where God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And I think Paul is wanting to point us to more than just this passage in Deuteronomy. I think he actually wants to point us towards Moses and to one of the defining moments in the Torah known as the Exodus. See, Moses was a Jewish young man who was adopted into the Egyptian family at a time when the Jews were slaves in Egypt. So he should have been a slave, but he ended up being royalty. But as he grew up and realized, man, my people are being oppressed, he got angry. 
He decided he was going to be his own defender, the defender of his people. He was going to take justice into his own hands. And one day, as an Egyptian was mistreating a fellow Jew, Paul grabbed vengeance and killed the Egyptian. And he freed his people? No. He became a fugitive. He had to flee into the wilderness for 40 years. And I think I might have been saying Paul. I mean to be saying Moses, so I'm sorry about that. But Moses had to flee into the wilderness. And Moses that day, I think over those 40 years learned, man, when I'm the defender, when I'm leading justice, I'm just perpetuating the cycle of evil. So after 40 years, God showed up and say, hey, Moses, I've noticed. I've noticed the oppression of my people and I am going to free them from the bondage of slavery. And I want you to be the leader of my people under my leadership. And so suddenly Moses realized God's the defender, God's leading the fight for justice. And Moses led, submitted to the authority of God. And you know what happened? God freed his people. And when God was the defender and when God was the one fighting, you can read about the 10 plagues. Moses could not have done that. You can read about the miracle of the fact that the Israelites, the Jews plundered the Egyptians on their way out of slavery. This is unheard of. And yet God made it possible as he rescued his people. And so Paul is pointing us back to Moses and he's saying, come on, let's learn from Moses. Let's let God be our defender. Let's allow God to lead the fight for justice. And when we do that, then we can live out verse 19. So instead of us being the defender, instead of us leading the fight, he says, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Paul says, we take the high road by letting God lead the fight, by letting God be at our fender, and we take the high road by serving. And now if you're like me, I'm like, serve? Serve my enemy? Come on, why would I do that? Because serving humanizes the dehumanizers. I'm gonna say that one more time. Serving humanizes the dehumanizers. Think about some of the worst crimes against humanity, some of the worst atrocities in the history of the world. The Holocaust, chattel slavery, apartheid. Think about genocide on basically every continent. And, and these, some of these atrocities, there's still awful atrocities ongoing, like human trafficking. Think about these. One of the keys to all of them is that the perpetrators of injustice dehumanize. Because when you dehumanize this person into less than human, then you can treat them however you want. Think about what happens in interpersonal conflict. It's so easy for us to degrade people, to become derogatory, to unleash some vitriol, and to say something that looking back, we'll, oh, why did I say that? Because in that moment, We've dehumanized them. Our default is to dehumanize them and just to go into attack mode. So when we serve, that's the high road, serving humanizes everyone. We humanize myself by remembering I'm not gonna sink to their level. And we humanize the dehumanizers. We're actually exposing the immense evil and injustice of their actions when we treat them like we actually want them to treat us and others. Wow. So will we serve? 
And in so doing, we will heap burning coals on their head, which some of you are excited about. And like, we're gonna burn their scalp off? Yes, finally I can jive with Romans 12. I've had a hard time. Look, to interpret scripture, we've gotta look at scripture. So we gotta think about what's going on in all of Romans 12 and all of Romans. We gotta realize that Paul's quoting Proverbs 25, 21, and 22, what's going on in Proverbs. We gotta think about the historical context and that in ancient Egypt, there was a repentance ritual where you would carry around burning coals on your head in a tray so it wouldn't burn your scalp. And it was a sign of repentance that you were changing directions. So if all of a sudden Paul throws in this dig and says, so let's honor people, give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, don't take vengeance, serve people, take the high road, and you're going to crush them. That is contextually inconsistent. And that is a misinterpretation of this verse. Here's what Paul is meaning, that our kindness leads them to repentance. The serving humanizes the dehumanizers and hopefully causes some of them, as they see the evil, the ugliness of their actions, to treat other people like humans, that our kindness could lead them to repentance. So Tom said, take the high road, it's usually open. I would add, take the high road, and hopefully more people will join us there. And then the final verse, verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I love the message paraphrase. Don't let evil get the best of you, but get the best of evil by doing good. I'm competitive and I'm ready to roll when I hear that. I'm like, come on, evil is not going to get the best of me. Good is going to win. And how do we know this is true? Because this is what God did. God overcame the evil of sin by sending his good son, Jesus, to die. And by good, I mean perfect. The cross is a picture of what it means for this first to be lived out. Good conquered evil on the cross. And God says to those of us who are Jesus followers, you are my daughters and you are my sons, so act like me. Do not perpetuate the cycle of evil, but take the high road and overcome evil with good. And can I just admit something? This all sounds crazy kind of like a pipe dream, if not for one thing, the resurrection. Because even if we look at the cross, we're like, okay, the cross, man, Jesus died for us, but if we stop there, Jesus is dead. So where does that leave us? Well, that's why we don't stop there. God didn't stop there, but we gotta get to Sunday morning when God rose Jesus from the dead and good, triumphed over evil once and for all. And so here's what this means for us. Jesus's victory over death guarantees his promise of life after death. 
Jesus' victory over death guarantees his promise of life after death. That when we are in the throes of interpersonal conflict, when we are giving thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, we're rejecting transactional living. We're telling benefit of the doubt stories. We're creating safe environments and we are creators of peace and people do not reciprocate that here's what we know. Man, this world is not the end. That one day when I die, I am going to go to heaven. And I know that even if evil is triumphing here, that ultimately good will triumph over evil. That as we fight against justice, that on the days that it seems like injustice is perpetuating at a rate greater than we could ever fight against, that we remember that Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to restore all of heaven and all of earth. And one day he's going to rule in a new heaven and a new earth. And his kingdom will be characterized by justice. That in the end, good wins. In the end, justice prevails. And so Paul tells us, and Jesus tells us through Paul. So come on, guys, let's give them a glimpse of what's coming now. Let's give them a glimpse of the coming kingdom. In the interpersonal conflict that you and I are facing, let's take the high road and let's let good triumph over evil, even if it's just through our actions. In the fight for justice, let's not sink to the level of other people, but let's serve humanize the dehumanizers, even if they don't reciprocate. And let's give them a glimpse of the coming kingdom of God where justice reigns. Because we know that this world is not the end. And we know that because Jesus rose from the dead. So we have hope to give people a glimpse of what's coming right now through Jesus's victory over death. And no matter how bad it gets here, this world is not the end. And in the end, we're guaranteed victory. I love it. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil <laughs> with good. So where does this leave us? Well, I just want to encourage us to evaluate a couple of intersections, the ones we've talked about all along. Is there a situation of interpersonal conflict where we need to take the high road? Is there an intersection in the fight for justice where we need to take the high road? And if there's not one right now, it's coming. <laughs> And so I encourage us, memorize these scriptures. Let's not let the application of these scriptures end with the end of this series, but let's bury these scriptures in our heart so the Holy Spirit can unearth it when we need it. And so maybe you ask, and if you're not asking, I'm going to answer anyway. <laughs> Todd, what would be your goal for this talk? What would be your goal for this Finale to the series. I'll grab my cup of coffee for that because <laughs> I love to answer it over coffee. And say so my goal is that just like on the road back from DC, Tom said something that stuck with me. It's changed how I fight for justice. It's changed 
how I navigate interpersonal conflict, how I lead into and, and live beyond the, front, the actual front door conversation that the Holy Spirit will remind me, take the high road. It's usually open. I want that to happen for you. It happens for me. And I just want that to happen for you. And I pray that our church, public church, would be filled with people who remind each other that when we see someone we love in our church family tempted to sink to someone else's level, sink to tempted to go down to transactional living and to repay evil for evil, to grab vengeance in our hands, to be our defender, that we would remind each other, hey, hey, take the high road. It's usually open. And that as this becomes part of our vocabulary, part of our culture, that the high road would always be open, but it would become more and more crowded. And that those of you guys who don't follow Jesus and all of our friends who don't follow Jesus would look at public church and say that that's a group of people. That is a group of people who were overcoming evil with good. And I want to see what's going on then we can point them to Jesus who overcomes our evil with good. So that's my prayer. And so if you don't follow Jesus, I invite you to follow him. <laughs> he died for you when you were at your worst. Jesus gave his best, gave everything, his very life for you. And if you have any questions about what that means, our team would love to talk with you. 423-665-9317, send us a text. And for all of us watching this, public worship is gonna lead us in a song. And I hope this song allows us to process what it means to take the high road as we just sing about Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you on any of our social media accounts at A Public Church or through our app or website, publicchurch.com. To give toward the vision of Public Church, you can do so through our app or website via Pushpay or by texting Public Church, all caps with no spaces, to 77977. Again, thanks for listening.